Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Hope at Crossroads. We're here to serve you in any way that we can. For more information about our resources or our church, you can check out hope at crossroads.org. Online, you can find access to other resources like devotionals and study books. Thanks again for joining us. And now let's start this week's message. Amen, amen. If you have your Bible, if you'll open up to Romans chapter 5, Romans chapter 5, and uh, while you're turning there, uh, let me say a great big thank you to our worship team. Uh, I don't know if you know this or not, probably don't because you're here on Sundays, and I'm not suggesting this, but uh, maybe, it, maybe it would be a good thing. Suggest maybe go visit an area church and uh, see what they have for worship, and you'll probably come back here and you'll be more grateful. So we are tremendously blessed with uh, Vicki and Lynn and Jeannie and Brandon and our team. Can we give them a thank you this morning? What a tremendous blessing. What a tremendous blessing. Before we look at Romans 5 today, uh, I had some questions this past week from a few of you. And so I want to go back and pick up on how we ended last week, uh, which was with a word called sanctification. So I had some people ask me this week, uh, we know what that means, but how does it happen? And, you know, how do you, how do you gauge if you're sanctified or if you're not sanctified? Great questions, great questions, by the way. And so I wanted to start there because uh, it's going to lead right into uh, Romans chapter 5. And... Um, as I was looking at some of this this week, I thought of this, and I found this quote. I'll just share it with you. The Christian life is not measured in knowledge, but in conformity. Let that sink in. The Christian life is not measured in knowledge, but in conformity. Conformity to what? Conformity to the image of Christ. So the more that we look like Christ, the more we would say we are being sanctified. So Christianity is not an accumulation of facts. I know uh, a lot about the Bible, not near as much as some of you that are here this morning. I know a lot about the Christian faith. I know a lot about doctrine because I've been a Christian for a long time, (laughs) several decades. But knowledge does not equate sanctification. Just because I know a lot does not mean I've allowed that information and that knowledge to transform my life so that I look more like Jesus. It could be just that I'm a walking encyclopedia or I'm a walking biblical theologian and I know a lot, but it's not done anything in here to change me. And a few weeks ago, I saw this quote. I didn't share it with you last week, so I thought in light of the questions that I got this morning, this would be good to share. The true measure of spiritual growth is not how much knowledge you or I have gained in the past year, but how much you or I have grown in our holiness. Every Christian knows it's difficult to measure sanctification, to measure our progress in the Christian life. It's easy to confuse knowledge with growth, to think that this grasp of facts that we have translates to growth and sanctification, but the Christian life is not measured in knowledge but in conformity. I just shared that. But here's what's interesting, and the reason that I bring this up this morning is we talk about sanctification. Sanctification is a community project. 
You and I cannot grow in sanctification, isolated, insulated, living solo Christianity. As a matter of fact, there is no such thing biblically as solo Christianity. That is why you hear me week after week. It's not because I want to get my way or because I have some personal agenda. You hear me harp on it week after week about being in small groups because I know in my own life that made me more in the image of Christ. Sanctification has to happen in a community. That's the way God intended it. So I hear people all the time say, well, I can grow closer to Jesus and not go to church or just live by myself and just study the Bible. According to the Bible, you can't do that. Wow, that was really quiet. You should be saying amen for all the people who aren't here this morning loud enough that they would hear it as they're home, maybe in their pajamas or maybe getting a head start on Super Bowl Sunday. None of my teams made it. There's no need to even worry about the game. None of my teams even made it. They didn't even make it. So here's the deal. Sanctification is a community project. There's many reasons the Lord puts us in Christian community in the form of a local church. He puts us together for encouragement. He puts us together so that it's easier to get the job done. Two are better than one, for they get a better return for their work. Mutual support. It's a community effort. And so if I want to grow in holiness, church family, I need you. Amen. Somebody's getting electric this morning. I need you. I can't do without you. You may not know this or not. If you've been a member here for a while, you'll know this, hopefully. If you've been a new member, hopefully you know this, but you may not either. So I want to share it with you. This church has, for many, 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 many decades, a church covenant. Did you know this? If you knew this, kind of slip your hand up real quick. If you didn't know it, you can leave it down and go, oh me, what what have I committed to that I didn't know? I'm getting ready to tell you, and I'm going to ask them to put it on the screen, because this morning as we think about sanctification and move into the hope that we have in Christ, it's important that we know that that has to happen in the in the context of community. So here's what our church covenant says. Having been led as we believe by the Spirit of God, to receive the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior and our Lord, and on the profession of our faith, having been baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, we do now in the presence of God in this assembly most solemnly and joyfully enter into covenant with one another as one body in Christ. We engage, therefore, by the aid of the Holy Spirit to walk together in Christian love, to strive for the advancement of this church in knowledge, holiness, and comfort, to promote its prosperity and spirituality, sustain its worship, ordinances, discipline, and doctrines, to contribute cheerfully, even with a scream during the offering, if you want. Okay, And regularly to the support of the ministry, the expenses of the church, the relief of the poor, and the spread of the gospel through all the nations. We also engage to maintain family and secret devotions. I didn't write this. This was here long before I was born. To religiously educate our children, to seek the salvation of our kindred and acquaintances, to walk circumspectly in the world, to be just in our dealings, faithful in our engagements, and exemplary in our deportment, to abstain from any behavior that can harm the individual or collective body, to strive to act as outlined in Ephesians, to love one another as Christ loves us, to be zealous in our efforts to advance the kingdom of our Savior. We further engage... 
Hang on, we only got a couple more paragraphs. I know you're thinking, wow, this is long. Did I commit to this? You did. We have your signature on file. We further engage to watch over one another in brotherly love, to remember one another in prayer, to aid one another in sickness and distress, to cultivate Christian sympathy and feeling and Christian courtesy and speech, to be slow to take offense, but always ready for reconciliation. And mindful of the rules of our Savior to secure it without delay, we moreover engage that when we remove from this place, we will as soon as possible unite with some other church where we can carry out the spirit of this covenant and the principles of God's Word. Sanctification. Church, my prayer, my heart, my prayer... One of my major objectives, being called as one of the pastors of this church, the lead pastor of this church, my paramount assignment from Jesus is to help us do everything that we just read. If you ever interpret anything personal that I'm doing, that's what I'm held to, which is what this church established long before I got here. Obviously, secondly to what God's Word says. So here's my question to us this morning. I'd like for us to have the invitation right now. And the invitation is this, before we read Romans 5. And we're not going to fill out cards. We're not going to, there's no hidden cameras looking to see who does this and who doesn't. Okay? But as a symbol, much like baptism and much like the Lord's Supper, as a symbol today, I'm just going to ask this question. Could we this morning, and I wish every member was present, but it's us. Is here today. Could we this morning symbolically say to God, first of all, Lord, we covenant with you, but secondly, we covenant with one another to follow after you as a team, pulling in the same direction. Because that's the power of the church. That's why God has us connected. Otherwise, that's why many people say, I can do Christianity by myself, because maybe they've been in situations where they felt like, The church was not encouraging them to do all the things that we just listed. So as a pastor, I'll be the first one to stand and say, I'm committing publicly in front of you to covenant with God Almighty, the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm covenanting with you. I'm recommitting as a church member. I'm a pastor here, but I'm also a church member here. So I'm recommitting. To you, as my brothers and sisters, to say, I, I, we are going to do all these things that we just talked about. We're going to, in community, in Christian love, we're going to assume the best of each other. We're going to pull in the same direction. I'm committing to you. If that's your heart this morning before God and before these friends, will you stand with me and let's pray a commitment to the Lord today that He would continue to keep His hand on this church called Crossroads as we move forward, covenanting together, to follow after him. Lord Jesus, we honor you today. Thank you, God, that we are no longer slaves. You have set us free. And you have set us free for a purpose. A purpose. The world outside, many people do not know you, Jesus. You have given this church a lighthouse in this community. To share the truth of the gospel. 
And the reality is no one person can do it by ourselves. Lord, the staff can't do it. I as a pastor can't do it. Our groups can't do it. But together, together, together we can do it. We can do it. Two are better than one. A cord of three strands is not easily broken. So today, Lord, in, in, in front of you and in front of one another, God, we say we, we recommit ourselves to you. We covenant to you, first and foremost, as our Heavenly Father. And Lord, I pray that you would help us, that you would help me. Lord, I pray that you would hold me accountable. You would hold us accountable. And Lord, as we covenant together today, help us to encourage one another, to spur one another on to good works and godliness and holiness, because that's what you've called us to do. You are our living hope, and we place our trust in you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, church family. Thank you. You can be seated. Love you so much. So sanctification comes through the power of the Holy Spirit and through community. And Paul picks up this idea in chapter 5 that he finished with in chapter 4. You remember he also talked about justification. So let's read it together, chapter 5. We're just going to look at the first eight verses this morning. And as you think about these verses, you talk about somebody today that's on my heart that is trusting in the living hope of Jesus is my friends Robbie and Jenny McMake, and I read their email this past week. Man, they're eating some things they don't know what they're eating. Overseas, serving the Lord. And one of the phrases in the email that just caught my attention is they're putting all their trust in the Lord. He's our living hope. So the word says this, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand and we exult in hope of the glory of God. And not only this, but we also exult in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance. And perseverance, proven character. And proven character, hope. Man, that sounds like another disciple, doesn't it? Sounds like our friend James. And hope, verse 5, does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who is given to us. For while we were still helpless at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one would hardly die for a righteous man. Though perhaps for the good man, someone would dare even to die. But God demonstrated his own love toward us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You are a child of God. And as such, if you have been justified and you are a child of God, I have some good news for you. God has for you and for me some incredible gifts. And it's not even Christmas, and we're still talking about gifts. But the Lord has for us some incredible, incredible gifts. And Paul mentioned some of those right there from the beginning. Here's the first one. These gifts come as a result of being justified with Jesus. The first one is this one. Peace with God. Peace with God. He says, therefore, having been justified, we have peace with God. Amazing to think that we have peace with God. It's the first benefit. It was paid for because of the price that Jesus paid on the cross. We can have peace with God. Now, don't misunderstand this. This is not like the peace of God. That's not like the, 
peace that God gives on you. And there's, Paul talks about that in Philippians chapter 4, verse 7. As a matter of fact, if you want to flip there, we'll kind of read it together. Philippians 4, 7, here's what he says. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding or comprehension, shall guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God. That's not what he's saying here. He's saying you have peace with God. In other words, at one time, you didn't have peace with God. You were at enmity with God. God was your enemy. You were like this because of your sin. But because you have been been justified, you have this gift. You have peace with God. You're no longer in this battle between you and God because of your sin and because of yourself. It's almost like you're flying down the road, maybe down Woodruff Road, and there's a police car behind you and you're ignoring the police car and you're just doing your own thing because you don't even realize you're running red lights and here comes this police car chasing after you. That's how we were before we knew Christ. And we did not have peace with God. We have peace with God now only because of Jesus Christ. Jesus is our peace. I was thinking this week about different people over the years of my life that I have had peace with, and sometimes I haven't had peace with. And we all would say there's times in in our physical human relationships when we don't have peace with a person that it makes us feel, ugh, it makes us feel not good, right? Especially if you really love that person and you're not at peace with them, it makes you feel uncomfortable, awkward, fearful, confused. But then if you can sit down and talk through the issue, whatever it might be, and come to a resolution, and all of a sudden this peace comes in, and you have peace with that person, you're kind of like, oh, man, that's awesome. It's the same way with our relationship with God. Because we have been justified through Christ's death on the cross, now we have peace with God. We don't have to be worried about if we have peace with God. Can I just encourage you this morning? Some of you maybe feel like God's angry with you, and there's this, there's this thing with you and God. If you're a child of God, if you're a child of God, you have peace with Him. You have peace with Him. But then He keeps on talking. What else does He say? I love this. You've been justified by faith. You now have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through whom also, verse 2, through whom also we have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace. What is he talking about there? What is he talking about? He's talking about having access to God through Christ by faith. Access by faith. Not too long ago, uh, my son Will, this has probably been, gosh, about eight years or so ago. He was a big fan, still is a big fan, of a Christian artist named Matthew West. And Matthew West was coming to town. He was coming to Greenville. He was coming over to uh, Taylor's First Baptist Church. And he was like, oh, Dad, I want to go, I want to go, I want to go. I started looking at the price of tickets. They weren't outrageous, but they were kind of normal, about $20, $25 a person. I'm thinking times two, $50. He's worth it. He's worth it. But I thought, you know what? I'm going to call a friend of mine I know. 
that does, con- that does concert ministry and the tour promoter that does these things, and I'm just going to call and just see if he has some comp tickets, complimentary tickets. Usually the artist is allowed a certain number of free tickets that they give to friends and family members and connections and so on and so forth. So I reached out, I sent this friend an email, and about a day or two later I get this email that says, yes, I, I, he has a few left, would you, would you and your son like them? And I'm like, absolutely we would, thank you, super fantastic. He said, I will email you the little thing to download. Well, I get the email. It's not only just two tickets. VIP tickets. VIP tickets, which meant, hey, you can come backstage. You can come into the green room with the artist. You can hang out, you know, eat some green M&Ms and water, whatever. No, I'm just kidding. Whatever they have backstage, you know, you can come back there and you can hang out with the artist. I thought, this is fantastic. So sure enough, concert day comes, we go. And what was just so... uh, how can I say, uh, amazing, wonderful, and made us feel good, which we probably shouldn't have felt this good. But when we walked by the couple hundred people that were standing in line to the other door that said VIP access, and we just kind of, you know, like, hey, y'all, hey, y'all. And we went on in there and went backstage. Of course, he got his autograph and got his picture made and got his latest CD with Matthew West. And we thought, man, that's just super great. That's awesome and wonderful. Let me just tell you, church, that was great. That is nothing compared to the access you and I have to Jesus Christ every single day. We have the VIP pass to talk to Jesus. But some of us are standing at the other door with all these other people. Like we have to still do something. Like we have to run faster, jump higher, achieve more, have our quiet time more. And the VIP door is like swinging wide open. And somebody's standing there going, hello, you have the VIP passes. Hello, come on. We have access by faith to that kind of connection with Jesus on a daily basis. And we don't have to wait on the email that might not ever come. It's already given to us freely. It's a gift as a child of God. We have access to Christ. And our access into this grace is only by faith through Jesus. We cannot do it in and of ourselves, much like I could not have shown up that day at the concert and just said the day of, hey, I'm something special. You might not know it, but can I come in the VIP? They would have gone, excuse me, sir, we've already called the popo. And he's coming to pick you up unless you move over there. That's the police, by the way. That's yeah, old-time slang. Y'all are looking at me. Okay, just making sure you're not. We have that same access because of what Christ has done for us. Not just into his presence, but into the very courts of heaven, the Bible tells us. So here, here's, as I was thinking about this week, this is a next blessing beyond peace with God. Some of us have swallowed the fact that we have peace with God, but we still feel like maybe we're second, uh, we're a redheaded stepchild, we're second-hand citizens, that we have to stand at the back of the line and let everybody else go in front. No, no, no. Somebody said it this way. One, sometimes people think that they are reconciled to the prince but they can't be brought into the presence of the prince. You and I have been not only reconciled to the prince, we can go into the presence of the prince, Christ Jesus. We have access to him. So you know by now I write down myself some questions, and here's a question I wrote down. Am I using the access that I have to Jesus? Or am I not? And sometimes I don't. I wallow in my own shame and my own guilt long enough. Because why? Because I like to have a little... But do the wee-wee party and they just kind of whine a little. Call the ambulance. You know, I like to whine a little bit. And meanwhile, God is saying, get up. 
Get up. I've already provided access through my death of my son on the cross. Get up. Come on in. Come on in. We have access by faith to Jesus Christ. The next thing that he tells us is this. He says, not only do you have access by faith, this introduction by faith into this grace that you stand, but you can also exult in the hope of the glory of God. What does exult mean? Not exalt, but exult. E-X-U-L-T. It means you can boast in, you can brag in, you can take great rejoicing in the hope of the glory of God. It's a logical conclusion, by the way, when you understand, hey, I have peace with God, and I have full access to God. Glory to God! I mean, that's just the natural reaction, right? Should be that we have full access to God and we can have peace with God. Then we can have also hope in the glory of God, not because of our own works. And sometimes it's easy when we start to relate to God on the principle of how we're doing with our works, then we start to get presumptuous. I start to get presumptuous and think, well, oh, the, the, the glory that's to be received should go to me because I did all the work. There's only one person who did all the work. So much so that when the work was done, he said, it's finished, I'm done. And it was Jesus. And he's the one that gets the glory. And so this hope of the glory of God that we can get, by the way, is for certain. For Paul, it was not like a question mark. For Paul, it was absolute certainty. As a matter of fact, some people have have said that the way you translate in the Greek, the word hope means happy certainty. So when we hope in the glory of God, it's not like this false hope. It's the living hope in the living God of the world, of the universe. We can take it to the bank. But then he says this, not only can you exult in the hope of the glory of God, not only this he says in verse 3, but you can also exult in, oh my goodness, is that in the word? We need to cover that up because I don't want to feel that way. Exult in your tribulations. A lot of times the way the non-believing world watches how the believing world reacts to tribulations is how they often make their decision on if they want to be a believer or not. We're promised also in the book of, the, of James that we will have those trials and those tribulations, much like Paul is talking about here in, this, in these verses. And tribulations, by the way, is a strong word. Tribulations is not... Uh, it was raining, and it was very difficult for me to drive to church today in the rain. That is not a tribulation. We have lost the meaning of tribulation in North America. Tribulation is a very strong term there. It's not talking about minor inconveniences. It's talking about real hardships. For example, I'll give you one, and I'll ask you to pray for my friend Jason Bentley who the week after our team was in the Dominican between Christmas and New Year's, he was down there the next week. He thought he got a parasite, and for two days he's in the lodge kind of resting. Little did he know, he never got to feeling better, but he finally flew home. Little did he know, he went to the doctor when he got home, his appendix burst like two days while he was in the, after he was in the Dominican Republic. Right now, he, they are trying to get him stable. That's a tribulation. That's a tribulation. Losing a loved one, that's a tribulation. Major financial hardships, that's a tribulation. 
Losing a, a, a son or a daughter, that's a tribulation. Dealing with things like cancer, that's a tribulation. Let's not so whine about the mediocre little trivial things that we downplay the word tribulation for people who have actually endured real tribulation. Amen? Because tribulations are huge, monumental, life-altering events. And what Paul is saying here is, guess what? I got good news for you. You can even, as a child of God, glory in those tribulations. How do you do it? (laughs) How do you do it? He's going to tell us. He says we can glory in these tribulations. Here's why we do. Knowing that tribulation brings about, here's the first result of tribulation and suffering, number one, perseverance. What is perseverance? Perseverance is endurance. If you talk to anyone who runs, who works out, who's an athlete, I'm not. I try to stay in shape, but I'm not an athlete. If you talk to somebody like that who's, who's seriously into that, you'll find out that a runner, for example, has to be stressed to gain endurance. Sailors have to go to sea to learn how to be a sailor. Otherwise, they wouldn't be called sailors. Soldiers have to go to battle in order to learn how to be a soldier. Tribulation is just a part of the Christian life. We shouldn't, uh, you know, desire or hope for a a tribulation-free Christian life because I will tell you this, if that's your hope, you will never grow in sanctification. Because sanctification only comes through tribulation and hardship. And God uses the tribulation that you and I encounter in our life to chop off those sharp edges and make us smoother, so to speak. He knows how to take those tribulations and carefully measures each tribulation we face. There's another myth, another misnomer, another wrong thing that we say in the Christian life that God won't give you more than you can handle. That's a lie. God gives you more than you can handle every day. The question is, are you going to lean on His strength or your own strength? We perpetuate some of these lies in tradition that are not biblical, and that's one of them. Paul said over and over again, Lord, I can't do this. I can't do this. Take this thorn from my side. I can't do this. I can't do this. And what did Jesus say? Oh, come here. Let me pull that out. I hear you whine. No, He didn't say that. He goes, my grace is sufficient for you. So perseverance, what does perseverance do? Paul goes on, he says, tribulation will bring perseverance. Verse 4, perseverance will prove character. Church, hear me. I as a pastor, hold me accountable. More than any aspect of my life as a person, the thing that I most want people to say about me, that I most want them to say about me, is that I am a person of character. Most of us want to have have character in our lives, but character springs out of perseverance, which comes through tribulation. As a matter of fact, you cannot have character without perseverance. It's impossible. I was thinking about this week, people in my life that I would put on my top ten list of people of high character. You want me to tell you something? Every single one of those people I would put on my top ten list of being men or women of high character have also been men and women that have gone through incredible, incredible tribulation and perseverance. 
Show me a person of high character and I will show you a person who has been through perseverance. Because God uses that in our life to make us stronger. And as I look around this room, I could get very emotional quickly because I think about so many of you, the few stories that I know in this church so far of things you've been through in your life and you are still standing. Why are you still standing? Because you are a person of character. And God has done that by His Holy Spirit, by your faith in Him, by the gift of peace with God. God has done that in you, which is amazing. Amazing. Not to you be the glory, but to God be the glory. And when people see you, they will glorify God because of the light that you're shining, because of what you're allowing God to do in your life. Praise the Lord. But He keeps talking. He says, perseverance proven will prove character, and character will prove hope. Hope, 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 which is what we all need. The world is dying for hope. The world is dying for hope, especially in this election year. We are dying for hope, are we not? We need hope. And the hope that tribulation builds in us, the Scripture says, and Paul is saying here, it's not a hope that will disappoint. We are assured of this hope because God has proved His intention to complete His work in us. How has He proven that He's going to complete His work in us? He's proven it. Because he has deposited, the scripture says, within us as his children, the deposit of the Holy Spirit. It's a banking term. If you're a child of God, God has deposited in you the Holy Spirit, which means, guess what? He's coming back for you. If I go put $500 in the bank, I bet you, Jack, I'm not going to forget about it. I'm going to go back and get my money. And that is the hope that we have of the Holy Spirit. And God in us, the hope of glory. So he says this, hope does not disappoint. The love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. And then he says this, for while we were still helpless at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. How does this happen? How do I receive all these promises we've talked about? Peace with God, access by faith. Hope in the situations. Hope through God. How do I get through these sufferings that I have? All that happens because while we were still helpless, Christ died for the ungodly. It's another big spiritual churchy word, but it's a biblical word. And here it is. Reconciliation. Reconciliation. Which means there was this broken... Fellowship with God because of the sin in my life and because Jesus came and gave his life on the cross, he repaired that relationship, that fellowship, and now I am reconciled to God. As a matter of fact, Paul goes on to say it for us. He says this, For one would hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for a good man someone might would die. But God demonstrated his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The work of Jesus on the cross is God's ultimate proof of his love for you. If you and I are any time this week, this month, this year, the rest of your life in a situation where we're tempted to whine, and I will be probably, why is this happening to me, God? You don't love me, God. Why is this happening to me? Why are you doing this to me? But God demonstrated his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You and I don't have to question his love. There it is, right there. He loves you. 
He loves you. And if the cross is the ultimate demonstration of his love, it's also the ultimate demonstration, right, of man's hatred. You know what it also proves, though? Even as strong as man's hate sometimes can be, love conquers all. Love conquers all. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, I thank you for the gifts that you have given to us as your children. Much like an earthly father would love to give, you give those gifts freely because of your love for us. Not because of anything that we've done or anything that we deserve, but God, because of your great love, while I was yet a sinner, you died for me. Thank you, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And this morning, church, as we come to the time of invitation, I wonder this morning, just to, do, just to be a little different, Dif- different is good, sometimes it gets us out of our rut. I wonder this morning, Christian, believer, child of God, if the Lord spoke into you this morning, in some way, and your heart's been convicted or touched by the Holy Spirit, not by my words, but by His word. Maybe this morning you just want to stand where you are and thank God for the peace that you have with Him. You're no longer at odds with Him because of Jesus. Maybe this morning you want to stand right where you are and just say, God, thank you that I have access to you anytime, day, night, 24-7, 365. If I have a need, I can call upon Jesus, my Savior. Maybe this morning you'd like to stand and say, Lord, of all the things that are going on in the world, all the craziness... I can take to the bank the fact that my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. And you'd just like to thank Him this morning. If that's you, in just a moment, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that. Maybe this morning you find yourself in the midst of a true and tried tribulation. Can I lovingly say, don't lose heart? Don't lose heart. Your heavenly Father loves you. So how do you know, Pastor Jack? I know because He demonstrated His love for you. While you're going through this tribulation or this suffering, maybe you want to stand where you are this morning and say, Lord, would you work in me? Not why is this happening. Not why are you allowing this to happen. But God, would you, while this is happening, would you work in me endurance, perseverance, character, and hope don't let it be for no. Don't let it be for nothing. Let the tribulation that you're in right now, let God work those characteristics into your life. Not only for you, but to be a blessing to somebody else. Jesus, as we close the service this morning, I pray, Lord, you would have your way. Lord, I'm, I am one of those that's standing this morning saying thank you. And as these friends in this place are praying, I pray. Lord, that you would do business among us. You'd speak to our hearts this morning. With any decision that needs to be made. 
while you're praying, church, I'm going to ask my friend Heath and my friend Stephen here to come at the front, and we'll be here. If you need to pray with somebody or this altar's open, if you need to kneel and pray, but just quietly this morning where you're seated. If that's you, and you just like to quietly stand to your feet and offer a prayer of thanks to the Lord this morning, would you, would you do that? Wherever you are this morning, if you just need to say, Lord, thank you for that peace. Thank you that I have access. Whatever, whatever God's speaking to your heart, if you want to stand and just thank him this morning in a prayer. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of Hope at Crossroads. We're so glad that you joined us for the message today. If Pastor Jack or any of our team can serve you, please reach out to us. You can send us an email at jack at hope at crossroads.org or by visiting our website. We would be most grateful to know where you are listening because we have people all over the world listening to our podcast. You can send us a message through our website. We would appreciate your prayers for us as we are in the midst of a building campaign to reach more children and families in our local community in Greenville County, South Carolina. If you would like to help, you can always make your gift online at our website, hope at crossroads.org. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Hope at Crossroads.